Conversations with inspiring women about their stories and the neon colours that they have to share. This is the Neon Woman Podcast. Welcome back to the Neon Woman Podcast. It is time for a new neon conversation. And my guest this week is Dr. Kimby Marinagos. Kimby joins me to discuss her origin story, her journey as a certified family nurse practitioner and behavioral health specialist. And then we dive in to burnout. We discuss everything to do with burnout and how we are our own experts on our body. And we really talk about how we know know ourselves best and we know how we really feel and how burned out we really are. We also obviously talk about what it means to be a neon woman and so much more. I loved our conversation. Here it is. Kimby, welcome to the Neon Woman podcast. I'm really excited to chat to you today. Thank you so much for having me. I'm excited too. I feel like we're going to talk today all about burnout and the antidotes for burnout, which I'm really excited about. But I like to start with the same question for everyone, because I feel like we're all known in this world for what we do. But I'd Mm -hmm. love to know who is Kimby in this Mm. world, aside from what you do? Sure. Wow. And I love that. Um, I I was recently interviewed and I had said that it's the authenticity of of our life experience and of our human experience that um, really enriches any interaction between people and and our individual experiences. um, And that I like to keep that separate, what I do from who I am. um, It's just one facet of who I am. But I like to think that I bring to my work in healthcare, I bring my passion and my um, my determination, my drive, my 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 will to to live completely and fully realize my potential. So, who am I? I'm a. I I think that I hope that, um, and I often think about this. What is the legacy, and and am I consciously creating my legacy? I want to be remembered as someone who authentically cares for other people and will fight for the little man, the underdog, and then also will really, really encourage and inspire others to reach their own potential. I love that. I'd like to go back a bit to your origin story because I believe that the ways that we're raised shape the people we become or don't become sometimes as well. Mm-hmm. Oh, I think so too. I do. And Mine was really all over the map. My mother is a Kiwi from New Zealand. My father is a Yankee. She likes to say she married a Yankee and moved to America. So, um, but they we lived everywhere in between. Um, he's a he was a family psychologist and an author and a speaker, and she was a nurse midwife. And when they met in New Zealand. He proposed, she said no, and he came back to America and they corresponded. And then he went back to New Zealand, asked again, and she said yes. So she moved to America. They had sort of rapid fire, had four children, and I'm number three of the four. I happened to be the one of four who said I didn't want to be anything like either of my parents. (laughs) And here I am, psychologist, 
nurse practitioner, all of those things. So, but, you know, I think growing up in a, in a multicultural family and living in different parts of the world, it really instilled in me a love of travel and a love of adventure and exploration. And it instilled great independence. Uh, I found that my siblings and I, we were each other's community. So wherever we moved as a family, we had this built-in little community. And so always very close. We could fight like cats and dogs. But then at the moment anyone else might pick on one of us, we were there. We were just this this little band uh, of, you know, each other's backup. So um, that was the that was really the origins. And then that wanderlust um, just stayed with me. So I've I've traveled extensively. And I like to say that um, what that instilled in me is that independence and that um, sense of adventure and a confidence about trying something new. And I've been accused of being someone who is more than willing to be a beginner over and over again and learn new things and try new things. So um, I wouldn't call that, that an accusation. I would call that a talent. Oh, well, I like I like that thought. I like to think of it as a talent. That's great. Um, it's it's not. I think it's um. It definitely comes from a place where my sense of security is internal. It doesn't come from where I am or what I'm doing or who I'm with. It's really it's 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 in here where I have a sense of security, and that allows me to venture out. And isn't that the greatest sense of security? Isn't that what we're all striving for all of the time? I think so. I do. Well, this podcast is all about the neon colours that women have to share with the world. Mm. Sometimes our colours get dimmed for various reasons. I'd love to know if you have your own story about when your neon colours were dimmed and what your journey was to brighten them again. Mm-hmm. Well, most recently, you know, I think that that is life and the losses we experience, the ups, the downs, the whole journey um, I think we go through cycles, but most recently, my neon colors were severely dimmed, I would say, frighteningly dimmed through coming through the COVID-19 pandemic on the front lines of urgent care. Mm. And, um, you know, I am someone who had practiced behavioral health and psychotherapy uh, for over over a decade, for roughly 13, 14 years before I went back to school to do my doctorate so that I could broaden the scope and make behavioral health services more widely available to people because um, so few have access to specialty care. So I wanted to be able to provide my first love of behavioral health services within a primary care setting for people. So I went back to school and um, went went back, had to start over, do a whole nother bachelor's, do a whole nother nurse, uh, a master's degree, and then did my doctorate. And um, so I, I I invested in school and went back to do this so I could, you know, provide more care for my patients. Um, so then I finished that doctorate um, as a little bit of a dinosaur just later in life. Um, but uh, finished that doctorate and knew that I needed to get out and practice, get some generalist clinical experience. So I took a job in urgent care, thinking this is great. I'll get really firm in my <clears throat> in my uh, clinical competencies and with uh, diagnosing and managing chronic health conditions that I knew would be part and parcel of primary care. 
So, and I did, it was a whirlwind of a really incredible experience um, that again, strengthened my confidence clinically. And in working with patients, I, I had a whole a whole new dimension to care for people and new perspective on, you know, is it depression or is it hypothyroidism? I could really look more holistically at a person. And I loved doing that. Now, about a year in, a year, two years into my generalist experience, in comes this pesky little virus that we all came to know so well. But um, immediately as a novel virus, we didn't know enough. We didn't know much about it at all. So um, fear was was driving the bus, I feel. And so here I was already a provider who was uniquely, um, uniquely capable of addressing fears and um, anxieties and paranoia and depression and isolation. And so I really, I had a team that really leaned in on me and, and I wanted them to always. But then as the volume picked up, you know, in behavioral health, it's really eight patients a day is a heavy load, mm-hmm. uh, just the nature of the work. But in urgent care settings, and now with everyone terrified sufficiently by the media, I think, um, they they were coming in in droves. And it went from you know, 10, 20 patients a day in urgent care to 30 and 40 and 50. And then uh, it was upward of 80 every day. And on my, on my max day, I saw 130 patients by myself in urgent care. And by myself, meaning I was the only doctor, had a wonderful team underneath me doing so much to support me. But ultimately, I was the doctor seeing 130 patients who were all anxious and worried and terrified about this virus. And as you can imagine, you can't be fully present to 130 patients a day and hold that space for them. And so one evening, I had a patient come through and it had been you know, swabbing noses, COVID tests in and out all day, every day. And one evening at eight o'clock, it was a 12 hour shift and I was getting out of the clinic around 8 p.m. Well, the last patient of the day came through and she was not there for COVID testing. She was there because her father had died and she was grieving. And it was a very, very complex grief response. And she needed me not in a clinical sense, but in a very real and vulnerable human sense. And at 8 p.m. that day, I had seen, I think, 90 patients or so, and there was nothing left of me. And here was the patient I was born to care for. Here's the patient I had gone back and done five more years of schooling to be able to take care of this patient. And she walks through the door that night, two years into the pandemic, and there was nothing left of me. I was not able to be present with her the way that I know that I can and have designed my career to be able to be. And I was so disappointed and ashamed. I drove home in tears and I thought, how far off the rails have I gone? And I knew my purpose, I I had strayed so far. And this patient was my wake up call. And as painful as it was, I, to this day, am so very grateful for that wake up call, because 
I don't know how far from my purpose I might have strayed before I looked up and realized. Um, and so I've said to people, if HIPAA wasn't a thing, I'd write her a thank you note, you know, because of what she did for me and really opening my eyes to what I'm doing, how I'm living, how I'm connecting with people. Am I doing what I was born to do? Am I, am I honoring my values? Am I striving toward and moving in the direction of my purpose in this life? Mm. And from that night forward, I have lived differently and I have practiced differently. I went to my employer and they could not or would not accommodate any change in how the workload was uh, carried out. I loved the uh, 270% increase in revenue. They love that part. Mm, yeah. But the weight and the burden on each of us providers in that clinic was unbearable and unsustainable. And that was it. So I asked them and I, I, they said no. And I thought, well, I can't really expect anyone to honor boundaries that I haven't set clearly set. So I tendered my resignation and that from that moment on, I have only looked onward and upward and it, it was a struggle um, getting through that. But my, I found myself waking up before the alarm. I found myself after work. I found another clinic that was wonderful, that wanted to me to integrate behavioral health into their primary care services. So I've been, I've been working with that group, but in between patients, before work, after work, I've taken every spare moment to, to build a system. I knew that I was considered the expert on burnout and compassion fatigue long before the pandemic. And now here I had this very, very painful personal understanding and, and real expertise on it now. And so I thought, well, I created a system for myself to get up and out. I wanna share that because what about the people who have not spent 20 years in behavioral health with all of these therapeutic resources? How are they getting through this? Absolutely. So, that's, so that's such, a, such a beautiful and painful story. Like it just, sometimes I think I mean, I, I I believe there are no coincidences, but often these experiences that that realign you have to be painful for us to take notice of them in the first place. I believe that I do. I don't believe we have to struggle necessarily, but I think we don't grow or change or learn if we're not made a little bit uncomfortable. Absolutely. Well, burnout is almost it's kind of like a buzzword now. People just throw it around whenever. What is your definition of burnout? Well, that is evolving. Um, burnout is, it's so misunderstood. A lot of people just think it's exhaustion. They think it's, you know, just get, you know, get some downward dogs going, get some, you know, drop into lotus position or get some more sleep. But the way the World Health Organization defines it or characterizes burnout is, as a uh, an occupational phenomenon that is uh, multidimensional. There are three dimensions. One is depersonalization, where we disconnect from the work that we're doing. And often that is a survival mechanism. 
the next dimension is exhaustion, and that is physical, emotional, and spiritual. And then the last is a sense of diminished accomplishment or a diminished sense of achievement uh, and professional pride. So it's where some self-doubt sets in and you forget just how capable you are. But it's the com it's the combination of those three dimensions that that are the, uh, considered the the uh, phenomenon of burnout. Now you said it; it gets thrown around. That word just gets thrown around. Um, and as I've been, you know, learning more and more and immersed in this for for a while now, I'm realizing that. I don't see it any longer. I don't see it as an as an occupational phenomenon. I truly see burnout as a cultural norm. And it is something that we've we've made burnout the norm. And I mean, we martyr those who will spend 60, 70, 80 hours at work. We martyr those folks. And if they need help doing that, we prescribe amphetamines, everyone's on Adderall. And you know what we're doing, instead of go home to your family, get some rest, take a vacation, go outside, go for a hike. It's no, stay at work and we'll just give you a stimulant to keep that going or make more coffee. Or, you know, there's there's so many ways we've normalized burnout. And it's it's really, I think, working against us in a big way. Absolutely. And and there's this whole cultural campaign of if you want to be successful and chase your dreams you almost have to burn yourself out to get there because otherwise you don't care about it enough mm -hmm, that's right and so that's what people think they have to do they just do it and you know you think well I'm just gonna have to just burn it at both ends for right now and then you know eventually I'll I'll relax and enjoy my life but we're not promised that. That is not promised to us. So while while we're what is it? John Lennon said it's it's life is what happens while you're busy making plans. Or you know it's um, uh, I think it, there are so many ways that we miss out on the life that is here. And one of my mantras is uh, look up, live up. And it's because so many people are just living like this, just focused on the on the stuff of life. And they're missing the wonder of experience and of life that's all around us, the extraordinary life that's all around us. Yeah, so, <clears throat> absolutely. Well, in your quest to, to discover the antidotes to burnout, you mm -hmm. found three things, purpose, passion, and power. Love mm -hmm. to delve into this positive remedy for burnout. I, and I would too. And and somewhere along the way, when I was focused on the three dimensions of, of the burnout phenomenon, you know, I set out for myself to discover the antidote to those three. And so, and, and somewhere along the way, I thought, you know, there's just a much better feeling here when you're focused on purpose and passion and power than when you're focused on depersonalization, exhaustion, and diminished sense of accomplishment. So I had shifted the focus and I'm really just really pouring the energy into the antidotes, which are purpose, passion, and power. Now, depersonalization, as we talked about just a moment ago, mentioned briefly, depersonalization is where we disconnect from the work. And um, and it, it's, it's actually built in 
to Western medicine's training, the, the medical model, at least, I find I chose the nursing model of care because of exactly this, but the medical model tra uh, trains providers to erect a wall and maintain a distance from the patient and maintain a, a, a stoicism about them and maintain the authority as the doctor. But in so doing, they miss the opportunity to connect with a human being on a very personal level. So it's built into the medical model of care and it is one of the dimensions of burnout. So it's almost like the, the medical model is setting you up to burn out, to fail here in this way. And um, so the, the antidote to depersonalization is realigning with your values and with your sense of purpose. Did you go into healthcare? Well, I know I had to ask myself, did you go into healthcare? to swab noses or to you know you know prescribe medications no you went in to help someone you went in to be able to care for people and so realigning with your values your personal values and your sense of purpose in life really is the antidote to depersonalization it has to start as personal that's why we do what we do it's why we chase it down and the the second dimension being exhaustion. The antidote to exhaustion is passion, energy and passion. And that's where it's so much more than self-care. It also requires that you, you, you know, yes, you need sleep, you need a healthy diet and nutrition, and you need exercise. But you know, you also need connection, human connection. You need to to um, circle the wagons and honor your values. I think that's an opportunity and what I promote is an, is a habit tracker and really pay attention to those things that you do on a day-to-day -day basis that fill your cup, that mm -hmm. give you energy. That's a good sign that you are working in alignment with your values and your purpose. And it might not be sleep or diet or exercise related. It can be what I found with, with burnout was I was, I've never been a morning person in my life. And I was up before the alarm working on this. I was staying up late working on this. I was in between patients working on this because it wasn't work. It was my soul coming alive with purpose and with inspiration. And so paying attention to those moments in your day where you've got a tailwind and you don't know where it came from, but it's just, it is not work. It is, it is easy to be in that space with whatever the activity is. So that is passion. Then the last dimension is the diminished sense of achievement. And that's where reclaiming your power, reclaim the journey that you've been on to get to this place in your career. And I find that we too often, when we're underneath that, that veil, that weight of, of obligation and burnout, we forget just what it took to get here. And that's where I think, I, you know, updating a CV or really write out, write out a job description for what you do. What would it take to replace you? Mm -hmm. And you have to add to all that, all of the experience, the whole journey, not just the academics, not just all the work experience. What about the life experience that you bring to what you do and what is what makes it uniquely yours? And that's where we have to revisit. We have to revisit our unique way of doing what we do. So those are the three antidotes for the three dimensions of burnout. <clears throat> I love that. And I feel like 
So I'm in my 30s now and I feel like your 30s is often, you know, middle of the road in your journey. A lot of people in their 30s wake up, so to speak, and think, how did I get here? Mm-hmm. Often you're you're doing jobs that you you entered into for the money or because your parents wanted you to. And mm-hmm. you suddenly have this realization that you're burnt out and you're perhaps not aligned with your true purpose and you just feel stuck. Mm-hmm. Well, and that's where that's the clue that the values and purpose are out of alignment, as you said, because, you know, I, I, one example I like to give is when you started like in, in nursing, when, when you started, you had heaps of energy, maybe you were in your twenties and, and it was fine to pull all nighters or pick up an extra shift. And you started your career with, with that expectation or with, with those values in place. But now maybe in your thirties, maybe into your forties, family is number one. So, so really your values can change and your purpose can change, but staying really clear on what your values and your purpose are, because by default, we will still be operating under the assumption that our values haven't changed. Mm -hmm. And that's where, again, if you've established the expectation that you will be the one to stay, stay late or show up early or pick up the extra shift or carry the extra weight, you can't fault other people for expecting that. And that's where we have to set the boundaries. And we can do that by knowing our values. Our values make it really so much easier to set boundaries. Because when we know we're sacrificing, when we know that by picking up this shift, I'm sacrificing what is most important to me, my family and time with my child. When I know that that's what I'm sacrificing, it is so easy to say, nope, I'm not available. Thank you so much. Absolutely. I also think it's knowing that you're allowed to change as a human being as well. Um, oh, for sure. yes. Like noticing that you're unhappy, you're burnt out, but it's okay to realign yourself. I think, I know personally, it's scary to, to suddenly say you want to just completely realign this way and mm-hmm. potentially rewrite everything that people know you as. Mm-hmm. So true. But it's that's an opportunity. And that's where, you know, the, those are the three antidotes. Then I have two insulating factors. And one is setting healthy boundaries. The other is a rebranding. U2.0 is what I like to call that. It's redefine. And maybe you stayed with the same career, but choose again, make it a, make it a, a very alive choice, make it a, 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 a you know, vibrant and viable choice to be in this career. Make it new as of today. Recommit to this career today and really, really reframe how you're going to interact with the profession and interact with the work. I like to say that, you know, any, you know, a lot of people will come and say that the system's broken. How am I supposed to do anything? I'm just me. And it's a whole broken system. And working in healthcare, I understand that. But to me, any qualitative systemic change is an inside job. It starts with me. It's I am the first bite of that elephant. And that's where I can make change with how maybe I can't change the system at large, but I can change the way I interact with that system. And I can set healthy boundaries with that system and, and really reestablish how they can um, engage me in this work. And that's what we do have power over. 
So I think if more people would own that, that the change starts here, it ripples out and impacts the whole. And you say that the single most important factor in alignment is replacing the hustle and grind with self-awareness and personal alignment. Could you talk a bit about that? Yes, I think the self-awareness is critical. And that is where, I mean, burnout doesn't happen overnight. And when we are when we are committed to even a a momentary check-in with ourselves, know when you're heading south. You know, I looking back, I could see it. I knew, I knew when the numbers were ticking up. I knew when the load was heavier. I knew. I remember the moment that I was thinking, wow, maybe I should have kept pounding the pavement in New York City as a singer and a and an actress long before healthcare days. You know, I did that in my teens and in my 20s. And you start to notice there are little signs, little indicators that you're you're leaving the rails, but we can't see those. If we're in survival mode and going on cortisol. And just just pushing through one more day, one more day, um, we're missing out. We, we have an opportunity in every moment to check in with ourselves and see if we're in alignment. And that's where, to me, self-charting is what I like to call the system where each day I check in and I just rate my alignment with my purpose, my passion, and my power. And in my journal, I will circle a number on the scale from one to 10. And and where it's anything, you know, I can notice, why is it a three today? And I can look and say, well, wait a second, what happened today? And I'll just take note of what the surrounding circumstances were. But I think we have to be willing to reflect, self-reflect. And it doesn't have to be, we don't have to, you know, stare at our belly buttons. We just have to um, take a moment. And one of my my favorite ways to, to do that is, is walking. I believe in the wisdom of the body and getting physical allows me to, you know, really just anchor myself in the present moment and check in. I love that. Do you think there's a difference in how men and women handle burnout and just, you know, the changes that life throws at you differently? I do. I think there's a uh, a gross stereotype. There's a there's um, that's that's built into it. But you know, women as I mean, it's way way back. You know, we ancestrally, women are the caregivers. Women are the nurturers. And I know there are. It's not even. I I don't even. It doesn't even feel quite right to say there are exceptions because men are very nurturing too and very very compassionate and 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 you know they are the breadwinners and the supporters for their families, but women as the caregivers um, in in the households and in the families, we tend to look after everyone else anyway, and that tends to be at our own expense, and so the roles that we play. Um, not just in our families, but in our communities, we tend to carry more than our own burden. We have, we, we, we bear children. We, we then, uh, you know, I like to say we never sleep again after we give birth because we're, we're, we're always thinking about where our child is, where's our offspring, how is my family? And, you know, we know that uh, men derive their sense of identity from their work. Women 
tend to derive their sense of identity from their relationships. So just in that, we know that women are more inclined, innately inclined to look after other people. And again, we're operate when we're operating with an empty cup, how how much can we do for other people? And that's where I like to appeal to our our sense of service and and remind remind the women in my life that they cannot do for everyone else unless their cup is full. And so even if they're not willing to just make self-care a priority, they usually are when they realize that this will let them take care of you. This will let them take care of the people that matter to them. And so that's where I think we have to tap in. And, and women are especially vulnerable to burnout because of that innate, um, that innate service mindset. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'd love to know how you embody your own motto of, you know, living life with purpose, passion and power. I'd love to know how you embody that every day. Mm -hmm. I think what I'm most proud of is the way that I'm able to be present with patients, with my family, with my friends. I truly will have all exam rooms full. And when I sit down in that room, you are the only person in this clinic. And I believe that there's an honor and a responsibility in, in what I do as a healthcare provider. And really, I also believe it to be an incredible privilege to walk with someone through some of the most vulnerable times. And so I think the greatest thing we can give to someone is our attention and our time and our mm -hmm. presence, our true authentic presence. And I may not have all of the answers, but I'm gonna hear you, I'm gonna sit and listen. There are so many times that I am with a patient and I don't know the answer, but they felt heard. They didn't even expect me to know the answer. They felt heard and that was everything to them. And, and then from there, you know, I let them know we can we can look for the answer. I'll find the answer. Give me some time. I'll I'll be in touch. I'll call you, um, and that that's that's fine with them. That is all they needed was just to feel heard and um, and not dismissed and not brushed off. Um, so living my purpose, I know to serve and care for people and show up differently for people. That's that's something every day. There, of course, there are days that I'm less less present. If I've, I'm a big, big, if I champion one thing in clinic, it's sleep and the importance of sleep. And when I go without it right now, I'm in the throes of menopause. So night sweats and hot flashes through the day. It's, it's been challenged. Sleep is challenging right now. So there are days that are where it's harder than, than others, but it is always my intent. And I, I try to be as present in every human interaction as I can possibly be. Passion, I do. I do prioritize self-care and behaviors that are healthy. And I try every day to go for a walk because that is, I am an introvert and that's where I process. And um, I always bring at least one patient home with me as far as spiritually when I know that someone's struggling or a real um you know, a bright light in the day, knowing that I connected with someone that really just needed to interact in a meaningful way. Um, there's a lot of lonely people out there, but I know I was present, but walking and getting good sleep and giving my body what it wants. 
Um, I practice a 90-10 rule. 90% of the time I do the right thing. 10% of the time I'm going to eat the rice pudding. So, um, and then as far as power goes, I, I'll, I'll tell a really quick story. When I was in New York and studying at NYU and, and doing a lot of musical theater, I would walk into the dressing room each night in a, in a production um, that, that we had, um, I believe it was No Sex, Please, We're British. And I would walk into the women's dressing room each night. And there was this woman there that I will never forget. And she, always a character player, always had these really just, just interesting characters because she had such a unique look about her. And this woman would sit down at the table, at, the, at her seat in front of the mirror in the dressing room. And she would look in the mirror and she would say, God, you're beautiful. And I have never forgotten her. And I have shared that with so many, so many patients in my career. And just the ways that we have to, we have to encourage ourselves. We have to hold on to how beautiful we are. We have to see our own beauty and our potential. And all that we've done, we have to hold on to that. And we have to be our own cheerleaders. And so that's a way that I remind myself every day to, to um, honor the journey that I've been on, recognize my gifts and, um, and share them. That's what we're called to do. Share those gifts. I love that. That's an amazing story. She's an amazing woman. And she, I, I wonder, I would love to find her today and let her know that she's come with me. She's come yeah. with me for the past 30 years in my career. So she amazing. made an impression. Mm-hmm. Well, for people that are listening to this and feeling like they're identifying with being burned out themselves, where would you suggest they start to, to get some help with it? Well, I would say start on my website and let let me hear your story. And it's it's not I'm not selling anything. There's a free consult. Just reach out and I can point you in a direction. I'm happy to do that. It's it's truly I think that my experience of burnout through the pandemic really um gave me a whole new sense of mission and purpose as far as supporting other people and helping people identify it and look up from what we do on a much grander scale, recognize that it's not just an occupational phenomenon, it is a cultural norm. And no one's going to set the boundaries except you. And that's where it takes some encouragement, it takes some education around how things are supposed to be or how they could be. Um, That it doesn't always have to be like this because for so many of us, it always has been. Why would I expect anything different? You know, we've watched our parents burn out. We watched, mm-hmm. you know, people's health crises. And um, and and I would say reach out. DrKimby.com is my website. And I would say reach out. Let, let, me, um, let me guide you. Let me point you in the right direction. Um, also have an article that I published on the five ways to, to address um, burnout and to, and to not just eliminate it, but prevent it going forward. And really, I would remind folks to to pause for a minute and really, really reconnect with how precious this life is. It's it's truly time is precious and life is precious and it's going by. I I like to say to my son, you know, he'll be looking at YouTube or something and I'll say, look up, your life is happening. Look up, Mm -hmm. don't miss it. 
And, and that truly is, it's all around us. And it is, it is up to me. Only I can actualize my potential and only you can actualize your potential. And are you doing it? And sometimes it takes some radical change to make that happen. In fact, I'll share with you something that few people know. Um, yesterday was my last day in urgent care. Today, I am self-employed. Wow. And that is an amazing feeling. Is it a little bit terrifying? Yeah, it is. And I am so, so inspired and determined. Um, I keep telling myself all day today, the only failure is not trying. And I'm creating the change that I want to see, qualitative change that I want to see and be a part of. So I love that. I'd love to know what is the most surprising thing you've learned about yourself through all the seasons of your life? Hmm. That I'm not as vain as I thought I was. <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, uh, I recently... You know, and one of the questions that, that I know you regularly ask is, you know, um, what what about your fashion sense is original? And I'll tell you, I was thinking scrubs. There's nothing original about scrubs, <laughs> but shoes. I am so committed to comfortable shoes and I am truly comfort driven. I recently was on a, uh, a morning television show and I'm, I, you know, I showed up all dressed up, but wearing my favorite shoes, my comfortable shoes. And I, I asked my PR girl, I said, do I have to put the big girl shoes on? And she said, yeah, you really should. I didn't do it. I didn't do it. I put them Comfort on. Comfort is key. Right off. Took them right off and put the comfy shoes back on. I said, I said, wit, this is me. And really, I, I, I have come to a place more recently where somebody said, were you nervous to be on TV? And I said, no, I really, I'm liberated knowing that it's really not about me. This is about the message and trying to reach people and and and, and share hope that there, there's change, that change is possible. And so this is about the message. They're not looking at me or my shoes. <laughs> Hopefully they're hearing the message. So um, um, I've been, I've been liberated by that one. I am allowing myself to remain comfort driven. I love that. Do you love poetry? Have you ever just wanted a little bit of inspiration to start your day? A Poem a Day by Low Mackett is that magical book of inspiration you've been looking for. One poem a day for every day of the year. Available now on Amazon. Go and get your copy today. For more information, go to lowmackett.com or neonwoman.com. Kimby, this has been such a wonderful conversation. I would love to ask you my bonus question that I ask everyone. Okay. What does, what does being a neon woman mean to you? Oh, it's living big. I told you live big, live up, live big. And when I think of neon, I think of bright lights and going big. And that's what I'm on a mission to do is go big with this message of hope. I love that. Where can people connect with you? Where can they learn more about your self-employed practice now? Tell me everything. 
Yes, I'm excited about that. Um, DrKimby.com. That's K-I-M-B-I. Um, and it's um, it's my website. You can um, schedule a free new client consult. And you can also just um, get an overview of the some of the services that my, my private practice is providing. And it's primarily telemed. So it's accessible, widely accessible. Um, and then um, there's also a blog on there. There's access to the the um, app stores where you can purchase the app, or I think it's a free download from my app, Burnout Breakthrough, and um, lots lots of information there. So I think that's a great starting point. And if there's uh, a way that I can be helpful or a service that that is needed, um, I am wide open to that. Um, I am excited about this new place and this new endeavor, and it, the feedback from from patients and clients and friends has been tremendous. And the universe just keeps giving little affirmations that I'm on the right path. So I would really love to share that and and help other people find that path for themselves. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, you are so welcome. Thank you for having me. Thank you for listening to the Neon Woman podcast, a Neon Network production. Follow Neon Woman on Instagram and Facebook or check out neonwoman.com for all the latest episodes and so much more. Thanks for listening.